Triple hits all the time. We are family. double-digit K's. We're busting ours. Pick yours. Fun to watch. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfect. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome back into the Mass and All Access podcast, everybody. Hope you all enjoyed a healthy and safe Thanksgiving holiday last week. We are back to start this December season. We're a week away from the winter meetings and, of course, a couple weeks away from the rest of the holiday season. So hope you and yours are staying safe and healthy back at home and joining us on this Thursday afternoon on Facebook, YouTube, also on Twitter. And, of course, if not, you're catching us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud later on over the weekend. Bobby Blanco, Amy Jennings here with you. Uh, we've got some news and notes to get to before we get into the uh, heart of the podcast this week. We're going to be putting on our Nats GM hats um, and playing Nats, playing Mike Rizzo's role for a day um, and uh, discussing a couple moves they could be making, not ju- not just next week, but in winter, winter meetings in mind, but uh, uh, over the next the rest of the offseason, mm-hmm. basically. Um, hopefully the hot stove heats up. We do have some news and notes to touch on, first and foremost, um, from earlier this week and this past weekend. But, Amy, first off, how was your Thanksgiving holiday? It was good. It was good. I stuffed myself, as per usual, had all the all the goodies, didn't make it to dessert, had to take <laughs> dessert home. That's always how it goes. And, of course, we got that Washington football team win, yep. beating the Cowboys. So that just that just made it. That made my Thanksgiving. How was yours? Uh, the exact same thing. I, I did not get pulled before the uh, – I, w- I did the complete game. Uh, I pitched a shutout. Um, I, I deep-fried a turkey. Turned out really well. I uh, did appetizers, main course, and stuffed myself with Impressive. dessert with some apple pie at the end. Yeah, so I finished the full apple nine pie. innings. Yeah, okay. yeah, I'm an apple pie guy. Uh, Dutch apple pie with the little brown sugar crumbs on top. That's oh, a little better than standard. It. Yeah, go Dutch next time instead of your standard apple pie. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was a great holiday. Like you said, the football team got a W. That especially over the Cowboys, that always makes it better. Uh, it's it's a it's a top tier holiday. It's it's a great time. I, it, obviously different this year, but of it was course. still. Still a lot of fun. Um, the news and notes we have to get to, though, uh, let's go Back. backwards, starting with the earliest, and go through this past weekend okay. because the bigger news was uh, came down on Wednesday, and that was not the trade that the basketball team made in Washington, D.C. No, it was tendering of contracts to Juan Soto <laughs> and Trey Turner. We didn't see it coming. Did not see it coming. <laughs> that was the least expecting news. That No, of course, it was obviously going to happen. Uh, the Nationals tendering contracts to Juan Soto. They did not agree on terms just yet. You have plenty of time to do that. I think mm-hmm. it's in January uh, before you might have to go to arbitration. Uh, but, Amy, this was obviously expected. This was going to happen. The Nationals were in tender contracts between Juan Soto and Trey Turner. Uh, they also agreed to terms with Joe Ross earlier in the week. But uh, no surprise here. It's just a matter of figuring out the number from here on out. Yeah, exactly. And they have some time to do that. Um, you know, these are two guys that were obviously the, the centerpiece of their team, what held them together this past season. No surprise there. And they have some time to figure out those numbers. And then Joe Ross, of course, opted out last season. Uh, they agreed to a one-year one year deal worth $1.5 million. So, that's the same salary that he would have had in 2020. Yeah, of course, he opted out, like you said, and gets no part of any of that salary um, from the from the season. So it's basically Joe Ross took the year off and is coming back um, and is going to get the same amount of salary he would have earned in a normal 2020 season. Moving back even further, 
Um, Monday, Michael A. Taylor signed with the Royals, officially ending his tenure with the Washington Nationals and his time here in D.C. Uh, of course, he was uh, released uh, in October or earlier this month. It was um, and and was not going to be tendered a contract uh, by this deadline. Uh, we discussed this earlier in the podcast, but it makes sense from both parties. Hopefully, Michael A. Taylor gets a fresh start on a young and up and coming Royals team. Uh, can maybe bring some veteran leadership now that he's a veteran himself in that clubhouse. Um, obviously, bring stellar defense, sneaky pop with his bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Royals are getting not only a solid player, but a great person as well. Yeah, we talked about all our favorite Michael A. Taylor moments earlier earlier this uh, year on the podcast, but I think it's a good fit. Just like you said, a young and up-and-coming team, I think he'll play a good role there, um, and it'll be good to see him play and play more often, maybe be a more u- useful role there than he would have been, of course, with the Nationals. Yeah, and we're going to touch on the, the outfield in a little bit here because Michael A. Taylor, of course, his departure leaves a spot in this outfield open, and we're assuming that uh, Adam Eaton's also going to mm-hmm. move on as well. Um, so those are two spots in the outfield that are open to really only sure things are Victor Robles and Juan Soto. We just touched on Juan Soto news come out over the past weekend with Victor Robles. He sprains his right ankle while playing in the winter Dominican league. Um, obviously not a good thing. He went down there to try to work on his bat. Uh, very poor offensive season for Victor Robles. Only hit 220 and OPS only just slightly above 652 games. We know the defensive caliber that he brings to the ball club, but he was hitting 304 in the Dominican Winter League, which obviously is not the level that he was playing against here in the, in the States over the course of a regular Major League Baseball season. But still good to see that he was getting hits down there and maybe finding himself a swing back. But unfortunately, he goes down. He was listed day to day. I don't know if he's returned or anything yet, uh, but you don't want to see him sprain an ankle or get hurt down there. You just want to see him getting his work in. Yeah, just just like you said, I mean, Victor Robles is – he, it was frustrating to see his, see his um, production at the plate because he's such a sure thing out there in center field, it, but he's just not putting up the offensive numbers. And I'm holding out because I do have fic- faith in Victor Robles. I think he'll come around. And, of course, you know, it's, it's great to see him improving, trying to work on his bat down there. But, of course, the, you, what you take when you play in these winter leagues is the risk of an injury. Hopefully this, um, this sprained ankle will be a quick recovery, and, and he'll be back at it soon. Yep, yeah, and we're wishing him a, a speedy recovery and, and hoping he gets back soon, like you said. All right, to the to the main course, I guess, sticking with the Thanksgiving Day uh, puns. Um, we talked about news that's been popping up, the Nationals, and, and we actually just mentioned the trade that the basketball team, the Wizards, made last night, trading John Wall for a superstar. Could D.C. be landing another superstar, another former MVP in mm-hmm. a different sport, the baseball? Of course, John Heyman at MLB Network reporting, I believe it was Monday, early Monday, that Chris Bryant has been a target for the Nationals in terms of trade talks. He, of course, was tendered a contract last night by the Chicago Cubs. We know that there's friction between player and organization there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with Theo Epstein out uh, for for – out of the front office now, you know, you would think that the remaining front office and Chris Bryant would also want a free, uh, fresh start. Uh, he's due about $18 million around uh, he would earn for next year in arbitration. We know the, the situation between them holding him back for service time reasons and pushing back his free agency, which he did not appreciate. I, you know, I, I think the Nationals are going to become a team that comes up in a lot of names this offseason, especially trade targets, free agents, whatever, what have you. Um, but the fact that this is a guy that's coming up and, and early on too, you know, we're, we're still a week away from winter meetings or what would be winter meetings. Uh, the hot stove has been 
ice cold as of late. We were hoping it would be a little more fast-paced, but we're seeing a lot of teams have to deal with, of course, uh, financial issues because of the pandemic and a shortened season and no fans. Um, but the Nationals have been a name that's been coming up a lot with a, with a bunch of not only free agents but trade targets, and Chris Bryant being the main one. What do you make of the of, of Chris Bryant coming up and the Nationals being a team that are keeping an eye on him? And I, well, I think the reason that the Nationals come up in in all of those trade talks is because at the end of the day they, they have money to spend. Mm-hmm. Um, but and it's but you look at their farm system and they really don't have have people to give away. Making big trades really isn't realistic with their farm system in the position that it is right now. They don't have those prospects to give up, especially since they they made this commitment to developing pitching, getting all these pitchers, drafting and developing all these pitchers. Are they really looking to give away those guys in order to get get maybe you know a big name trade target? Um, but you know, the more that I think about this, I think that that Chris Bryant. Is this is this trade's a little bit more realistic than you might think. Uh-huh. You know, you I look agree. at their farm system and you're like, they, they're not going to make a trade like that. But then you look at Chris Bryant, it's, he's not going to be that expensive to get this year. Coming off the season that he had and the Cubs being in the position that they had, you know, Epstein kind of just left them in this this position with all these decisions to be made and all these contracts that they're kind of looking to offload. And Chris Bryant's one of them. So I think it is a possibility for the Nationals. And of course, he would fill a big need at third base and in the lineup that the Nationals are looking for. Yeah, of course, he was the 2015 National League Rookie of the Year, 2016 MVP award in the National League. He was a World Series champion that year as well, has been three All-Stars. Uh, he owns a career slash line of 280, 380, and then 508 slugging percentage. Um, he's also averaged 28 home runs, about 81 RBIs a season. That's a pretty solid bat you could insert into this lineup mm-hmm. uh, to protect Juan Soto. That also takes play, takes care of the third base situation um, with uh, um, Carter Keboom. And we're not sure, and, you know, we heard Mike Rizzo, uh, I think it was last week or on the radio in his weekly radio spot, saying mm-hmm. that they're committed to. Uh, Carter Keboom, they trust him. They're they're all in on him. But we just saw that from from the basketball team said the same thing about John Wall, <laughs> and then a week later they trade him. So you, you can never really take. Of course, Mike Rizzo is going to say that um, mm-hmm. he's going to back his guys who are currently on his team, but it does not mean he's not going to explore the opportunity. And plus, Chris Bryant can also play multiple positions. We've seen him uh, be plugged in the outfield. He hasn't done that in as much as of late, I don't think, but we know he can do it. And, of course, he's getting older. So he brings a little more versatility than a Carter Keboom would. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I, mean, I, I totally think that this is way more plausible than people are giving credit for because, you know, you would you think – you see Chris Bryant and you say that's going to cost way too much. The Nationals don't have the farm system or the prospects to give up anything to, in, in return for that. But Chris Bryant did himself a disservice by having a bad year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he barely hit 200. He did not hit. He only had, I think, total of eleven RBIs. Uh, it was a really tough year. Now, of course, a shortened season, and we talked about how much we're going to weigh statistics uh, after this 2020 season, only 60 games. But still, that's not a Chris Bryant level of season. So he brought his value down this past season, uh, as opposed to where it would have been before the season, being a former MVP, hitting mm-hmm. 280 on average every season. So I think that helps the Nationals' case to be like, look, this guy is struggling. He also, it's not a secret that he wants out. He wants out of Chicago uh, and wants to be traded. He's not happy with the organization. Now, of course, he'll put on, he'll play the part. He'll put on a a strong face and go out there and be a team player. But the writing on the wall is that he wants out of Chicago. Uh, And you look at the prospects that the Nationals have. We talked about all the time. Their top 10 is all pitchers. 
You look at the Cubs farm system, once the top farm system in all of baseball, not too long mm-hmm. ago, with Chris Bryant being a part of that, what they really need is pitching. I think their number one overall prospect is a left-handed pitcher, but after all of that, it's position players. So there is a match here where I would say Jackson Rutledge, Kate Cavalli, you are the only guys who are untouchable in a trade. Everyone else can be up for grab. If, if I'm Mike Rizzo, and this is kind of playing into our game, if I'm Mike Rizzo and, and Chris Bryan's on the table, I'll go, look, you t- you ignore the first two guys, but any other, take your pick. Take your pick. They're all available. Because Will Crow, we saw struggle in the major leagues this season. Uh, we saw Seth Romero has the heat, has the stuff, but struggled. Uh, other guys haven't made their, um, their, debuts, their yeah. debuts yet. So even if they want Carter Keepum as a part, I would not turn that down. If Carter Keepum has to be a part of the package and you and – you, uh, include two other pitchers with him. I think that's a totally fair trade for this, and especially with a Nationals team that needs to make a move uh, in order to stay relevant and stay competitive because they're still looking to fill that hole that Anthony Rendon left. No, I'm 100% with you. The first thing that came to mind was I was thinking exactly like John Wall lasted a month ago. They were like, he, we're not trading him, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then look, look, yesterday, the same thing could go for Carter Keboom. I mean, this is a guy, you know, Mike Rizzo was saying you can't judge a player off of playing a new position and playing off of, you know, a couple hundred at-bats. You can't judge them. Well, at the same time, as a GM, you're looking at your window of opportunity, and you have to know when your window is open and when it's closing. And I would imagine right now Mike Rizzo seeing his window slowly close. So you have to make your moves, and you have to make them now. I mean, Carter Keeban only had one extra base hit this year, and his slugging percentage was barely over 200. His defense has improved, but he's still not – shown that he can be that everyday third baseman for the Nationals um, who are obviously looking to go for another World Series. And then, you know, who knows? You you sign um, or you trade for Chris Bryant, and then maybe you can sign him to a longer-term deal, mm-hmm. and he's your, your third baseman for a while. Um, and then what need do you have for Carter Keeboom? Yeah. You know, so I, I would not – if I was Mike Rizzo, I would not be afraid to put him in that mix. And then maybe you can give up a guy, you know, like – 10 plus on your prospect list you don't have to give up you know a tough uh, top guy like Kate Cavalli or Jackson Rutledge who I would assume are untouchable for the Nationals right now so he's definitely um, more gettable than I think a lot of people think um, and I wouldn't be afraid to put Carter Keboom in that mix if I was Mike Rizzo plus he can play the outfield yeah yeah like the versatility is also a plus it's always a plus uh, we've seen Mike Rizzo like players like that you know Trey Turner but he switched him to the outfield briefly before so you know they're not afraid to do kind of mm-hmm. do that and versatility is such a plus in, in baseball uh if you're commenting along and following along on facebook and, and on youtube we appreciate the comments ryan c on facebook saying cavalli and rutledge need to be untouchable kind of echoing our sentiment as well and jay mark is saying you could throw in carter keebum which we've been talking about um yeah i agree because that's why i include carter keebum in the package if they ask for him if they ask for him yeah sure because like you said chris bryan is then my long-term solution uh, at third base, and if I'm trading for a Chris Bryant, a former MVP, a former Rookie of the Year, a World Series champion, three-time All-Star, yeah. I am doing so with the idea that I'm going to sign him long-term, anyways. I, I don't give up too much for a one-year rental of Chris mm-hmm. Bryant. I do it because he's going to be my f- my long-term filler for uh, Anthony Rendon. Now, how those figures shake out will be different. We'll, we'll be interested to see because they know we know that they weren't willing to pay Rendon last year for a certain amount. So you would think. It wouldn't. They wouldn't want to exceed that mm-hmm. um, after after not giving it to Rendon, their own guy. But it's I, so hard to tell. Yeah. If the price is right, the time is right. They're gonna make that move. And how much does this past season kind of 
maybe light up a fire under their butts, being like, well, you know, our window's kind of closing. We need mm-hmm. to keep this open. We should trade for – we should get a Chris Bryant type. We're, we'll talk about Nolan Arenado briefly, but I don't think that's in the cards. But it, it's a possibility. It's mm-hmm. been thrown out there. We saw Mark Zuckerman talk about it on Mass and All Access earlier this week, how it's a possibility. It's probably not likely, but you never know. Um, yeah, no, I'm f- – uh, Chris Bryant is the solution for me at, at third. And if if they're going to make a trade this offseason, and, and our game, part of our game is we're trying to decide we're making hypothetical trade and two free agent signings. Mm-hmm. I think we both agree this is our hypothetical trade. It's hard to predict trades like that, but it, with it being in the news, it being relevant right now, and it making so much sense, I think this is our, our trade that we, we would make if we're, wearing, if we're in Mike Rizzo's shoes for a day and be like, look, Rutledge, Cavalli, no. Anyone else? Carter Keeboom, sure. Uh, and we've seen Mike Rizzo not do this before. You know, we look at the Juan Sotos, the Victor Robles, Carter Keeboom even, uh, going back to even Michael A. Taylor for a bit. Got, he won't part with his top prospects. But now you're in a situation where you might have to. Uh, mm-hmm. The biggest prospect he's given up is Lucas Giolito. Look how turn, that turned out. You can't, if they come in asking for a, a Rutledge or a Cavalli, you have to say no because those two guys, you're planning on being a part of your rotation in two or three years and, and being the face of your rotation for many years after that. But everyone else has not proven to be, this is also the 30th ranked farm system in, in all of baseball. So who are you holding on to these guys for, you know? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And we we talked about it last week when we were talking about their success in the draft over the last decade. And part of it is, you know, the return they get on these guys. You know, you talked about um, Giolito or you talk about Jesus Lazardo. Those are guys they parted with at the right time and got the right guys back and helped them win a World Series. Um, you can't just hold on to these guys. Like you said, Mike Rizzo was said before, said Carter Keebum is untouchable. Um, and he's still saying, you know, he has all the faith in the world in him and that he's going to end up being a star player. But your window's closing. You need a star player now. Mm-hmm. You know, what good is if he's a star player three, four years down the road? That's not going to matter because their gap's going to be closed, mm-hmm. you know? So you have to win. You have to win now. And if they, they're going after, you know, they're in trade talks about players like Chris Bryant, I think they're going after it, and it's definitely a possibility. Yeah, we see uh, Mike Rezzo's always going to be in, uh, at least involved. He's going to have his ear mm-hmm. open, um, Guys commenting on our, our Facebook, or excuse me, YouTube channel. Faraz Nazir saying, I like that. Cavalli and Rutledge can't go, but we can get rid of Kibum as long as we have Keith Garcia. Don't forget about the emergence of Luis Garcia late in this season. He's an infield piece that fills a gap at second base. If he's your long-term second baseman, then you just need third base. Because the idea maybe would be, okay, maybe we can switch Kibum to a, sh- a second baseman. But if you've got Garcia, you don't need that option anymore. You just need a long-term third baseman. That kind of puts Carter Keebum on the on the outside looking in, it and does. and um, you know we've been on this podcast. I don't want to say defending him, but be supporters of him. We liked what we saw early on in the season. He had that one week where the offense looked like it finally came around. Didn't pan out of the full season, but his defense looked loads better overall. I'm not completely giving up on Carter Keebum because if he stays around, I, I have faith that he could eventually get to a good level, but. Like you, you said earlier, if the time is right and the price is right, you got to pull the trigger. And the fact that we're even talking about him in this in these trade talks means that he still has some value. Right. That we still have some faith in him, or we wouldn't even be considering him as an option, you know, um, in this trade. So obviously he still has that value, um, and we're not completely giving up on him. It's just that he's obviously a, 
so far has not proven himself to be the fit for the Nationals right now, whereas Luis Garcia came up and proved himself that he can eventually fit in that role. Mm-hmm. And maybe Carter Keebum, honestly, I mean, again, we're not giving up on him, but maybe he's in the similar boat as Chris Bryant in that maybe he just needs to change the scenery. You know, maybe he's had his – it's not fair to say he had a fair shake up here because he, what, played in a handful of games in 2019 mm-hmm. and didn't come back up, and then 2020 was a pandemic-shortened season. But, you know, maybe, like, it's not the same level, but the idea is maybe so. Maybe he just needs a, a, a shake-up, a, but it's a like different this year, venue. I, I, they weren't, like, toying around with him, right? You mm-hmm. could kind of justify if he's up and down and all around. Yeah. You can kind of justify that. But they committed to him, and they said, you're our guy, which I would imagine gives – Gives the guy some some confidence, right? Mm-hmm. And you would expect him to produce more than he did, but he didn't, you know. So I don't know. I just I wouldn't be afraid to let him go, and I'm I'm excited to see see what comes of this. Yeah, I mean, he did only play in 33 games. He only played in just a little over half. So uh, I can't remember if that was in. in your, I don't think he suffered. No, he got sent down. Remember, it's mm-hmm. like it's to the alternate the, site. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, that's right. But he so he, no, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that's another factor into that. Maybe he did get a fair shake, and they just weren't satisfied. That's well. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, I yeah. That's exactly what and, it was. And, and we're like, okay, because that also, I think, at the point was they were still trying to compete, mm-hmm. and they were trying to go for it and and get back into the race, and they obviously never did. So then they probably just brought him back up, just like, all right, you need to play out because we need to see what you have in you. Exactly. Um, yeah. So it, no, it's gonna be interesting. That is our, I think we agree our our trade that we would make if we could. Right now, if we're. Uh, sitting in Mike Rizzo's chair <laughs> in the Nationals front office. It, it makes a lot of sense. We agree. Um, I, I, the prospect, the price, that's where it gets tricky. I, you know, like I said, the Cubs need pitching in their farm system. The Nationals have a plenty of that. Uh, your top two untouchable, take your pick of the rest. If you want Seth Romero and Will Crow, go for it. If you want those two and Carter Keebum, that's a little higher, but I, I could be talked into that. Um you know, it's it's going to be interesting, and, and we don't know for sure. Also, with uh, Theo Epstein leaving the Cubs front office, I mean, are we totally sure that they're committing to not a not a rebuild, but like just cleaning house mm-hmm. and getting rid of some of their franchise guys? This is a guy that brought the Cubs fan base their first World Series in what was it, 108 years or so. Um, so it's not going to be that easy, but it happens. It's sports. It's a it's a it's a business, and you have to make the right decisions. For all we've seen, the Cubs miss the playoffs last year. Uh, they didn't have; a, they had a better season this year, winning percentage-wise, but not as great as you know we've come to expect after making what was it three NLCSs in a row um, and, and a World Series title. So it'll be interesting. These two franchises who have been you know the epitome of success over the past decade, maybe a little less for the Cubs, but. Are, are at a crossroads right now. Yeah. They need to decide if they're all in mm-hmm. or if they're going to take a step back for a year or two. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and it's just the Cubs are just in such a tough position. You know, I just feel like Theo Epstein kind of walked away. Like he says, you know, 10 years is enough. He got his World Series, so he'll look, look, you know, he'll be the good guy there, right? He'll be remembered as the good guy there. But he really left them in a tough position, a lot of decisions to be made. And like you said, they're kind of at a crossroads, and we'll see which direction they go pretty quickly here over the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, so – Cubs got beat by the Marlins in 2020 by Chad Brinkman on Facebook. Yeah, that's true. I mean, <laughs> but the Cubs always get beat by the Marlins in the playoffs, it seems like. True. So, um, all right, so let's move on from a trade to a free agent signing. Another comment on our YouTube uh, by Steven Yastrzemski. I think I said that right. Signed J. Turum, Uto 2. So here's the thing. 
if we're going on the on the assumption that are we going on the assumption that the Nationals did trade for Chris Bryant or they did not? Well, th- this is as we tough. move forward. I mean, I. So we can our, say our original did. game was they made a trade and then two free. I think it's more. Are you li- saying a trade and then these two free agent signings, That's or all asking. of it together? That's what I'm asking. Are these two things separate? So because for I, me, it I think. I'm just asking how we're gonna approach this this, yeah. this activity. I'm gonna put this exercise. <laughs> Let's see. I'm I'm gonna put all of mine together. Okay. But I'm gonna say it's probably not real. I mean, it realistic. Okay. Like I don't think they're gonna trade for Chris. I mean, I yeah. Okay. So but more realistic than I could have gone. All right. So let's go. Un, let's go a little more unrealistic. Yeah. Uh, this is the in absolute. In the realm of possibility. Yeah, this is the not m- as far as we <laughs> want to go. We don't. We're not getting everybody we want. Right. This is the max it could possibly go. Okay. So they have so- they have traded for Chris Bryant. Don't okay. know who went the other way, but Chris Bryant is coming to the Nationals. If you're Mike Rizzo and the Lerner family is giving you a blank check, what are your top two free agents you're going after? I'm going after George Springer. Okay. Um, they obviously need need an outfielder. Adam Eaton being gone, you know, they need another guy out there, and they need protection in the lineup. George Springer is my guy, my top choice. Obviously, the top outfielder on the market right now. Um, that's my guy. And then I'm going after James Paxton. Okay. Um, obviously, Trevor Bowers on my list. Not realistic, especially if we're trading for Chris Bryant um, and and signing George Springer. Um, James Paxton, I kind of tossed around a guy like Corey Kluber, another guy that's, you know, looking for a bounce-back season. If healthy, he's a, a super great fit. But James Paxton, that lefty, I like him. Those are the two guys I would go after. All right. those are So you're essentially going – you're going heavy with position player mm-hmm. and maybe taking a, a step bit. or two down for, mm-hmm. for a starting pitcher. You, you bring up Troy, uh, Trevor Bauer – yeah, I agree. It's totally unrealistic, especially in this scenario where the Nationals are trading for Chris Bryant. I don't know if Trevor brought – I mean, sure, you would want to be a part of a superstar rotation. I don't know if Trevor Bauer is coming to D.C. to be the fourth starter. Well, he's not, and that's exactly why I I, I wouldn't wouldn't consider him. Would he be the third? Would he bump Patrick Corbin down to the fourth? Well, and it's so hard to tell because we don't know the fate of Strasburg staying healthy. We right. don't know – I mean – Scherzer kind of had a little couple scary patches. Um, we don't really know the fate of them and the fate of you know them staying healthy, but he w- he wouldn't. So that would be the argument for signing Trevor Bauer is that Max is entering a contract year. You can't count on Steven Strasburg to stay healthy mm-hmm. for a full season. Patrick Corbin regressed mightily in 2020. You have you don't know what you're going to have in your fourth or fifth slot. Uh, Joe Ross took the year off. You don't know what he's yeah. going to be. You, and he was still competing for that. that you saw Austin both struggle at times again. So that would be your argument to go get Trevor Bauer, and then you don't have to worry about re-signing Max Scherzer next after next season because then you have you still have a big three in Strasburg, Bauer, and, and Corbin. Mm-hmm. Then you're paying a lot of money, and if Bauer comes in, you're paying a lot of money to Corbin as your fourth starter. And that's just that's just a lot. That's yeah. gonna be a lot. It's gonna be a lot. I don't think that's. It's not realistic. You can't afford it. It Trevor Bauer's not gonna be yeah. an, a number four guy. And I, I think, think tre- that they're looking for a number four guy, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. and I think James Paxton fits perfectly in yeah. that. Plus, they need they need lefties in this system. I mean, aside from Patrick Corbin, um, you know, they're they're lacking lefties in their farm system. They're lacking lefties in their bullpen, um, and and that would be good. And, and we know James Paxton is reliable. You know, we know he's reliable. Um, when he's healthy, he's consistent. 
Um, he, he can pitch in big games. He pitched uh, game five of the ALCS in 2019, beat the Astros. Um, I like him, and I think if he's healthy, he could be a, be a really good fit. Yeah, yeah he'd be a great fourth starter. And then, uh, like you said, another lefty. You got top two righties, top bottom you can lefties. Sign him, and you can sign him to a to a one or two year deal. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a Scott Boris guy, and yep. you know the Nationals aren't afraid to to make deals with with Scott Boris. Um, and you know Boris says he's one hundred percent. He came, he had surgery before the twenty twenty season in February, I believe. He had back surgery, um, and then he had some forearm issues, which eventually shut him down this season. Um, Boris says he's one hundred percent, which of course he's going to say he's one hundred percent when he's yep. trying to get him on a roster right now. But, you know, healthy, and that's the thing, is the, realistically a guy that they're going to get if they sign a pitcher right now is a guy that has some issues that the Nationals can see past, look past, and think that they can get a result, which is why I also brought up Corey Kluber. I mean, if he's talent, obviously, the, 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 I mean, if he's healthy, obviously the talent is there, um, and he's a guy that they could get for a more reasonable full price and of course going after a, a Trevor Bauer on the market right now right and yeah I think Trevor Bauer is going to go try to be an ace somewhere else um he wants to be the top one or two guy mm-hmm. um so then move on to George Springer so you're going heavy outfield or mm-hmm. position player you're bringing in Springer um and uh, as as your top mm-hmm. free agent signing of this offseason yeah I mean obviously Springer and Brantley are in a lot of the same talks Toronto is is high on both of these guys looking to go after them. But, I mean, the thing is with um, with Brantley is they need an everyday outfielder, um, and he's not going to give them, give them that. Obviously, if they the universal DH sticks around, um, then that's a different story. He looks he looks like more like he could fit into a DH role, which is why maybe he would fit, fit well with Toronto because, you know, they have a pretty solid outfield, a pretty set outfield. He might fit in better there. He is that lefty bat, but – you know, George Springer provides that everyday outfielder. His defensive his defensive numbers are great. And then he gives you power in that lineup. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you get Chris Bryant and you get George Springer, you give Trey Turner, you give Juan Soto that protection in the lineup that they're needing. Um, he had 39 home runs in 2019. Um, and, of course, you know, the controversy with the whole cheating scandal, but it's not like his numbers dropped off this year by much. So I, I like George Springer. Yeah, of Would you do it? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if I'm going outfielder first, George Springer's the top of the list. I agree with Brantley. He's a great left-handed bat, you need, but you need more of a right-handed bat now because you have Juan Soto. You need right. a right-handed bat to protect Juan Soto. Uh, and, and you're right, the everyday – you're not going to get everyday outfield play from Michael Brantley like you would George Springer. Uh, he's a former World Series champion, a World Series MVP, two-time Silver Slugger, three-time All-Star. We saw this past – postseason he, he you know he comes and plays in the postseason he, he has great o- October numbers mm-hmm. which if this the goal is the Nationals to keep competing you're going to want that um someone who can b- especially in the postseason want someone protecting like that uh, Juan Soto um over the past couple of years you know he played 162 games back in 2016 um and, and since then home run numbers 29 34 yeah. 22 39 he hits power um and that's exactly the kind of guy that they're looking for uh, and an outfield of Soto, Springer, and, and Robles, that's a good defensive outfield, and you have two of the best hitters maybe in baseball, consistent hitters, uh, in Soto and Springer right there, and, and hopefully Robles comes back around. So it, right. it's a great target. Uh, and, of course, that's why you know we've seen so many lists, Springer topping the list of, of Nationals fans' wants and needs. Um, and, and I like your pairing of, you know, that's a tricky thing. you gotta kind of, you got to save money somewhere. Uh, we talked to, we talked about how we don't know 
the quote unquote budget the Nationals are going to have this offseason. A lot of teams don't know that uh, because of the pandemic. Uh, so you're going to have to save money. You're going to have to sacrifice somewhere, especially if we're making this trade for Chris Bryant um, and, and anticipating to sign him long term. So yeah, George Springer is, is a good fit, and it would be it would be costly, but it would probably be worth it uh, in the end. So, so, for me, your time. Well, GM just to finish Bobby. up, George Springer though. D- so the contr- just the numbers. He is thirty-one years old. He is projected to get about a six-year, hundred fifty million dollar deal. Seems like a lot for a thirty-one-year-old. Mm-hmm. You could probably get him for like five and a little bit less. Mm-hmm. Um, is it what I, they would probably end up settling with. Um, but no, I'm with you. I agree. The, yeah. But. If they're going to pay somebody, I think they should. should be Springer. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to go the same route in terms of I'm going to – because the Nationals' bread and butter is starting pitching. I'm not anticipating a season, if we play a normal season, like that we just had in terms of Max struggling, Strasburg being out for the whole season, mm-hmm. and Corbin taking one or two steps backwards. I'm going to assume they're going to bounce back towards more of a 2019 normal mm-hmm. or they're at least their career averages. So I, I'm not, like we said, spending too much on a starting pitcher. I am looking for a f- fourth starter uh, and then trusting Joe Ross to, or Eric Fetty or Austin Voth to be the fifth starter or some combination of the three. So I am doing what you did. I am going to commit more so to a position player. Um, I, I, Assuming that they do get Chris Bryant in this scenario, <laughs> I guess it would make more sense to target the outfield like you do, but I'm going JT Romuto. That's obviously the hot name. Um, every time his name comes up, it's, of course, the Phillies, it's the Mets, who Nationals fans should be worried about because they seem like they're going to just spend so much money this offseason. They're ready to do it. The Yankees, we know, do that. Um He's going to have his suitors, and I think the Nationals need to be at least in this conversation. Look, we have a track record of Mike Rizzo desiring him, wanting him, you know, has interest in him. They tried to pry him away from the Marlins right, a couple right. years ago before he was eventually shipped to the Phillies, but that price tag was uh, Juan Soto and Victor Robles, and, and he said absolutely not. Those are untouchables. So now that he's becoming a free agent, I don't know if he – I don't know if it's at a level of Chris Bryant-like, but we know that – He's maybe a little unhappy he didn't get an extension with the Phillies that uh, that he was kind of expecting when he got traded over there. So you could probably use that to pry him away from Philly. <laughs> Problem is, are the you going to spend as much money as the Mets? I don't think they are. But to me, he's the best catcher on the market. This is a position that the Nationals haven't had a solid starter at since 2016 Wilson Ramos because the Matt Wieters experiment was a debacle. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, not, you let Pedro Severino go over to the Baltimore uh, two spring trainings ago or whatever it was. Uh, you pieced together Jan Gomes and Kurt Suzuki, and that worked out well. It did. Uh, you have another season of Jan Gomes, but Kurt Suzuki is in his late 30s, nearing 40. I don't think you're going to bring him back for another year. To me, it's you bring in JT Romuto, he is your catcher for the now and future. And not that you need a great catcher with this pitching staff, but it doesn't hurt. So you have, a gr- you have a great defensive catcher catching this staff. And then you also have your power bat, whether it's Chris Bryant or JT Romuto, backing up Juan Soto and filling in that hole. I, I know he didn't have a great season, but Romuto's career numbers oh. average out to being one of the best, if not the best, offensive catcher 
we've seen since prime Buster Posey or Yadier, Yadier Molina. Yeah, and it, it's well, and it's it's the defense too. That's what stands out. I mean, I feel like Romuto's um, his offensive numbers are kind of comparable to like James McCann, who's also on the market. Another guy um, who obviously the the defense isn't there, not even close to the level of JT. Um, but the offensive numbers are pretty comparable. Um, so why are you willing to spend that money on a catcher and not and not a, a, an outfielder? Because you know what you're getting. I think when you look at the – because I think when you look at both markets for both positions, mm-hmm. the catcher market is very top-heavy, and it's Real Muto and James McCann. And there was even a report just an hour or so ago from John Heyman of MLB uh, – MLB Network saying that the Mets are kind of all in on James McCann. So they maybe have already made the decision. And mm-hmm. if that's the case, then you'd scratch that list off the Remuto, uh, or scratch that name off the Remuto sweepstakes, which is helps the Nationals. Um, and after that, I mean, it's, I have it right here. Could you see them, like, making a trade for a guy like Gary Sanchez? No. I don't think so. I, I would, I, for me, I would, uh, no, because if, I, if I'm, I would rather trade for Chris Bryant than Gary Sanchez, and then go after Real Muto. Well, yeah. Now, the, obviously, this is this is a it's crazy scenario, diff- crazy yeah. scenario. But the catching after McCann and Real Muto, it's Molina, 38 years old, uh, Jason Castro, 33, Zunino, who's 30, who just had a pretty solid October though, uh, and Kurt Suzuki, 37. Um, it's just not. It's very top heavy in the catchers, and you look at the outfielders. Um, we talked about George Springer, obviously, and Marcelo Zuna, who's more than likely probably going to return to Atlanta, mm-hmm. but, you know, he's he's out there. Uh, Michael Brantley we touched on. Jock Peterson's 28 years old. Ryan Braun's 37. Jackie Bradley Jr.'s only 30. There are more options, I think, in the outfield where you could go a little cheaper, whereas JT Romito is the prize. He is the, the bell of the ball uh, for for this. Yeah. And so I am more willing to get and – oh. and, and to me also, like I said, the catch position is the one position the Nats haven't been able to figure out in five – plus years, uh, and that solves it. I, I think they can figure out the outfield, um, whether it be a Brantley or whoever else. Um, I don't know. if They probably don't have anyone coming up that could be an outfielder for the long term, but I think they're better. Yeah, Andrew Stevenson was kind of in the mix, but That's true. Yeah. probably not realistic opening day starting out there. Yeah, and, and you have more – I guess you have more – uh, positions need to be filled in outfield, anyways. I don't know if you, you might want to. You might be better off spending less on a couple of guys than one on one guy because you have more position, holes open in that in that position. Okay, yeah. I mean, and it, it's no secret that they need to go after a catcher because Jan Gomes. I mean, Jan Gomes has has been reliable for them, but he's a number two guy, um, realistically. Um, so then, what 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 about this, the guys in the organization? Kind of like. Rowdy Reed, who's been around forever, let's say he doesn't go. Yeah, let's say he doesn't go, get picked up. Rule five: it, Would they consider giving him a shot and saying this is your last shot? Yeah, sticking well, you in there. Just to play devil's advocate against my own point, the Nationals—they haven't found a long-term success, but they have done fairly well, mixing and matching and pairing. You know. Band-aiding the position. I mean, yeah. With, with I like mean, Kurt Suzuki, Kurt just like you said, yeah. Jan Gomes, that worked out really well. It worked. For them. It did. It did. But there's no long-term stability of the of one guy. You, you, I, I don't know. I get that the catcher position. The catchers aren't around forever, you know. Yeah, and, and you only have so many years of them. And if this is going to be JT Romuto's last contract, he signs a, a worth of note. 
then I would want it to be here as opposed to Philly or New York. They're also, to, for me, I don't know, Mike Grizzle probably doesn't think like this. Maybe he does, but he'll never admit it. But <laughs> for me, part of my reasoning is also to pry him away from Philly and New York. I don't want him ending up back in the division on an opposing team. That's a good point. I didn't even uh, think about that. And, and that is also part of my reasoning. I'm not that concerned of a George Springer or a Trevor Bauer ending up in either of those spots as I am Real Muto, and then he's just tormenting you for the next five or six years. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I can see it. Mm-hmm. I can see it. I think it's a good fit. I don't know if I would do it, but I'm just yeah. I'm just playing devil's advocate. I, and, I pre- and that's what the whole exercise <laughs> is for. You know, this would be a boring com- uh, conversation if it was just me up here uh, talking to a microphone. Uh, and then my second one to, to, to pair with that would be going after a veteran who, who is – Coming off some injury history as of late, I think he played the full 2020 season, but mm-hmm. uh, Taiwan Walker, uh, people forget how pretty solid this guy is. Uh, to me, he fits perfectly into that fourth starter role for the Nationals. Um, a career ERA just under four, nothing flashy, way more strikeouts than walks, which is good. He's He had a solid career in Seattle, was traded over midway through the season to um, the Blue Jays, finished with a 2-7 total ERA between the two teams. So coming off a solid a season and only 11 starts, struck out 50, only walked 19. Um, this is a guy we, we talked about finding a fourth starter. We're looking for a fourth starter because we're trusting the top three to be the top three again. This is a guy I can I can trust to be the fourth starter, and every fifth day he's going out and at least giving me a chance and, and giving me innings too. Uh, you know, I, I have to pull up his page real quick, but this is a guy who made – around 30 starts consecutively for mm-hmm. three or four years uh, in his prime with Seattle. 29 and 15 in 2015, 25 starts in 2016, 28 in 2017. You know, the ERA isn't always there, but the consistency is what there, and that's what I'm looking for in a four-starter, especially when you've got a Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin in the top three, assuming that they return to yeah, he, and it, it looks like it, the best year of his career was 2017 with the Diamondbacks. He's kind of bounced around a little bit. He was with, with Seattle, with the Diamondbacks, got traded to the Blue Jays halfway through the season. He's He's been a guy that has bounced around, which is kind of like it makes you think what hasn't haven't these teams seen in him. That, mm-hmm. But he is a guy kind of like a similar makeup in the kind of guy we're looking for when I was talking about James Paxton mm. is injury history, you know, looking to bounce back and get him for a little bit cheaper than going after a, a star pitcher. Um, uh, like um, we were talking about Trevor Bauer. So it's possible. Um, the only reason, and I was kind of looking at these two comparing him and James Paxton. The only thing Paxton of course is a lefty, but in that number four starter, you're looking for somebody that I- is reliable. And I, f- James Paxton has been more, consistent than than walker has uh he's he's thrown over 200 more innings than him since 2016 of course with the exception of last year james paxton's been pretty reliable um whereas was walker's had a lot of up and down years only made one appearance in 2019 because he's had some shoulder issues after Mm -hmm. having tommy john but he had a a good tommy john i mean he had he had a good tommy john yeah he had a good 2020 um so So you you can see the potential in him, and I think that's exactly the kind of guy uh, the Nats will go after if they're looking for a number four starter. Yeah, and he's and the price tag that would come with him would be relatively cheap. Uh, he's projected to get about a two year, sixteen million dollar deal. Oh, by the way, he's only twenty eight, mm-hmm. so you're going to get two solid years out of him. You would assume uh, in that fifth starter role, assuming again he's healthy, he gives you the innings, he gives you the outings. That's a guy I can back as a four. I mean. That can't be too many, too different than Anibal Sanchez, you know, and, and that is less than 
um, Sanchez, that's $8 million a year. Sanchez mm-hmm. was due uh, $12 million for this past season before they declined his option. So you're getting about the same thing that you would have got from an Anibal Sanchez and a 28-year-old. Uh, and maybe you go two years and an option or whatever it may be. So you, maybe you have them a little longer. I, I just think it's, it's if I'm saving money here, I, c- I can bet. And also with a guy with an injury, the Nationals have a history of taking care of guys with injury histories, mm-hmm. you know, and, and bringing them back, not from the dead, but, like, you know, bringing them back to life and, and rejuvenating their careers. So that's something that I think the Nationals could entertain. It, it seems like a good fit. It seems like a cheaper option and, and allows me to spend elsewhere, uh, mm-hmm. i.e. a real Muto, a Springer, uh, a trade for a trade and sign for uh, Chris Bryant. Uh, I think that's, I, I think we both agree too that the starting pitching role, yes, they need to add a starter, but that's going to be not on the top of the priority yeah. list. It's, no. it's probably lower. But four I could or five. see, I could see a guy like these two, and they were, they both were in the same rotation with Seattle mm-hmm. at the same time. So um, on Facebook, where'd he go? Um, Chad Brinkman brings up the good point. Where does Starlin Castro play in 2021? That also factors into the Carter Keyboom solution or, or I guess issue. Whereas if, if Louis Garcia isn't ready, you got Starling Castro sure, back at your second base and a Chris, he could also play third uh, or Chris Bryant mm-hmm. at third base. So, you know, that helps with the idea of maybe we can entertain trading Carter Keyboom uh, if, if his name comes up in a talk for someone like Chris Bryant. Yeah, Starling Castro gives you a wiggle room, gives you some wiggle room because he can play second base. He can play third base if they need him to. Um, so, and you know, DJ LeMay, who's kind of a name that came up mm-hmm. um, here and there, I don't think the Nationals will, will bother with that just because, you know, they have Starling Castro back. But that was, when you talk about him, they also have Starling Castro. So where, where would that fit? How would that shake out? Um, but... But he does give you some um, some wiggle room because he can play both those positions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, Chad Brinkman also asking who's going to play first base and if Zimmerman will be back. Uh, we talked about that before. Uh, we know that Zimmerman, if he comes back, he's only playing for the Nationals. It's basically a matter if they can mm-hmm. find a mutual agreement on how, how to approach that. And Howie Kendrick reportedly has interest in playing and plans on playing in 2021. Do they bring him back for another year? Does he finish out his career here? Uh, I, I, I'm not too concerned about the first base position right now. I think there are other spots on the field and in the rotation. Uh, and surprisingly, we're not even talking about the bullpen too much either, but that they need to fill first before. I think they can patch together like they have uh, at first base as opposed to going out and getting a first baseman. No, I'm with you there. And a lot of that does depend on whether Zimmerman comes back, the possibility of Howie coming back, um, the possibility of having a universal DH again, that all kind of factors into that. They're not going to go out and, and get a first baseman. Same thing with the bullpen. I think I think they're going to similarly patch together. You know, they're going to get mm-hmm. some cheaper pieces out there and patch together uh, those holes that they have in the bullpen as opposed to going out and getting, getting a, a bigger arm. For the bullpen. Yep. All right. Well, that's going to pretty much wrap it up. We're going to take off our Nats GM hats. Um, Amy, we both agreed that uh, we, we would trade for Chris Bryant mm-hmm. uh, with the right price and not touching our top two pitching prospects. Amy's going after James Paxton and George Springer. 
I'm going after JTL Romuto and Taiwan Walker in free agency. Who are you going after? Put on your Nats GM hats. Let us know in the comments. Um, let us know in the podcast comments as well. Tweet at us at Amy Jennings News, at Bobby underscore Blanco, of course, at Mass and Nationals across the board as well. You can find the Mass and All Access podcast also on your favorite podcasting platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you find Apple Podcasts, or sorry, the Mass and All Access podcast, you'll find us. Um, that's going to do it for this week. Shout out to Brendan Mortensen behind the scenes for all his help running the board. Um, be sure to stay tuned next week for the what would be winter meetings. We'll have full coverage every day, Monday through Thursday. We'll have a podcast to wrap up the week uh, and the Rule 5 draft next a week from today. Uh, might not be a busy week, but we'll at least do our best to try to keep it entertained, try to keep you guys informed as well. Be sure to follow Mass and all Nationals on all platforms. We'll have you uh, covered uh, every single day throughout the winter meetings. For Amy and Brendan, I am Bobby. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you next week.